When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think this is the best way. We, we're just fra- frazzled, <laughs> frazzled journalists. Because I just can't. I it's can't. true. Underslept frazzled journalists. <laughs> Trying to make their way through this mystery. <laughs> that should actually be the way that the show opens. That should be the way. <laughs> This should, this should be, this might even be, without me even knowing, this might be the beginning of the episodes. I might just welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tokyo Vice. I'm one, one half of your frazzled journalist dynamic duo here, Blake Howard. Joining me as always is one other frazzled journalist, the great Katie Walsh. Katie, welcome back. We're going method oh, for Jesus. this episode. We're underslept. underslept. We're drinking coffee and we're trying to make our way through the mysteries of Tokyo. Uh, and so we are actually trying to put ourselves into the brain of uh, Tintin and Jake to try and figure out what's going on. I mean, we know what's going on, but. Well, look, we've been doing Tokyo Nice. We've done three episodes of season one so far. Uh, so far as we've understood it, there are eight episodes in this season. It appears that there's a little bit of confusion, uh, as we said in previous episodes about are there 10 episodes? Are there eight episodes? Is this a two season thing? Is it a one season thing? Is it a, there's, this is a lot of weird conjecture and nothing, nothing's really been confirmed yet. So we're just going to focus on episode to episode, which is why when you caught us in the middle of uh, this introduction, which was not going to be the introduction, but it feels so on brand to be the introduction that it kind of needs to be the introduction of this episode. Um, I'm going to let you just uh, wallow in the confusion and our like confusion and being perplexed. So um, this, uh, Fourth episode, appropriately, I suppose, is I Want It That Way, um, which oh, yeah. see, which sees Samantha uh, trying to shore up her future, getting herself her own club, and then recruiting her own girls, and a figure interrupts those pursuits. Um, then also, it's the final, oh, I, I, sorry, first kind of moments that Jake, with the help of everyone in his office from Emmy to Tintin to Trendy, actually starts to make a bit of a breakthrough and connect the different cases together. And being the midway point of the series, uh, we, we actually get to see Jake meet the big guy um, on the good on the good Yakuza side, Katie. Am I right in saying that, Chahari <laughs> Khan? Are any of them good? I mean, I, get, I think that... When it comes to Yakuza, like Chihari Kai and Ishida specifically, they have a code of honor. Yes. You know, a man's got to have a code, as we all learned <laughs> um, and we all adhere to. And so they have kind of a specific code um, of the way things are and the way things have done have always been done. And so I guess we could say, I don't know, they're, are they righteous? I don't know, but they're not I necessarily mean- as as cutthroat and you're, you know, as nasty as the Tozawa guys. Yeah, so we, we could probably say that they're a little bit more classic in their approach, which is like, <laughs> yes. we're just going to, we will provide you protection. 
you will pay us. We, we have a system that we're adhering to. Um, and, but we're not going to like ruthlessly berate you over the phone until you commit suicide. And so we can collect on your insurance is exactly. Is yes, yes, exactly. Oh, that's so good. All right. Well, so here we are. This is, uh, an episode that I, that I, it's got it all. I want it that way. It's got a really wonderful scene, um, that, uh, talks about the Backstreet Boys, which I can't wait to dive in with you, uh, and and the the meaning, hidden or otherwise, in Backstreet Boys songs. <laughs> Can I tell you, I don't know. I never heard that theory. I never did either, but I was like, all I can say is that's exactly the kind of show I want to see. When people are discussing <laughs> 1990s pop hits to have hidden meanings, I'm in. Yeah. Like, especially in a crime show that just stops. It was a, It's a deeply kind of... This is the most this show has felt like that nineties independent new wave, Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Robert totally. You know, Kevin Smith esque that didn't feel, I don't know. There was, it's when that was still happening in the early two thousands, it was getting so tiresome. And even some of those directors couldn't get themselves out of their way with mm -hmm. the desire to, be intertextual and it's really boring but this was kind of cute like the it was culture. cute and i and i think fundamentally so you know we're talking about a scene where sato and jake talk about the backstreet boy song i want it that way and i'm team sato it is a masterpiece like that song is amazing it will stand the test of time it's a great song um and i wholeheartedly agree by the way yes and um but it, it to me, I like at the end of the scene, what I what I was left with wasn't like, oh, that was a really cool analysis of of you know the Backstreet Boys, which is kind of what you get sometimes when you watch like a Tarantino film or a Tarantino imitator. What I got was, these are just kids, and here's how they're bonding, and even though they're caught up in this crime, Tokyo underbelly, like really dangerous world. Fundamentally, they're just some guys having fun and they're young and they um, are people and they're developing this friendship and they're not just symbols. They're they're actual characters. So I really enjoyed it for that like little bonding moment between them and that reminder of who they actually are. So, you know, because it's something that you would like have a conversation with your own friends about with. And so. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was really sweet. I enjoyed it. And it's like, it's entertaining too. And then there's a really fun callback where they're talking about NSYNC in the car. And then later Jake and Sato go to a club together and like tearing at my heart starts playing. And I just like love this moment where Jake's on the dance floor going, oh my God. And Sato's just giving him the bird, two, two birds. It's like, that's your friends. You're like bullshitting with each other and calling each other out. And like you actually, it's a, it's a fun way to see their friendship grow. Yeah, it, and it's funny because the the line between two guys who are that age who are talking about pop culture and talking about fashion and talking about this and that, there's a really beautiful balance because you can see that Jake is sort of reaching back and connecting with home in all these talks of pop culture and Sato is like, is, is looking at this hopeful dream of something, you know, acquiring something, being away from this world and the, I don't know, the kind of the parallel movement is that Jake gets further and further away from home and more and more detached and more and more immersed in the situation. And Sato is literally being dragged 
closer and closer into the inner circle um, throughout this entire process. And and more and more we find him getting into the like inner workings of Chikari Kai and like going, okay, I'm putting you in front of my boss to give him this information and we're going to do each other favors now. We're going to embed you with the top guy because we. this is how we're going to disrupt the um, everything that's going on with Tozawa clan. So that, I really liked that. I thought that was really great. But what starts off the sort of deeper investigation into this insurance scheme and these connections between cases is this great Rinko Kikuchi series and sequence of events where we actually yes. get to see her come, come alive. And Katie, you said there's a case in here that sort of kicks off before we even get to the wider investigation. How, how did you view it? Cause it's Rinko investigating a murder and pitching it to her editors. Is that that's, and, and I've always found it as a separate entity that she's trying to pitch forward and, and trying to get some runs on the board with and show that about the, you know, the impacts of violence on women in, in, in Tokyo and just the way they treat her and dismiss her in that office because she's a woman. Um, she essentially has to, fight for it to even get featured in the paper that's that's basically the gist of this whole thing and it really kind of like knuckles down on her character is that how you view it it's not connected to what we're doing in the wider yeah show. that is that i was a little bit confused um because she's sort of working on it concurrently i mean so she starts getting intrigued by the suicides um that jake is investigating and it's it's actually really fun to see her kind of get energized by it and jake comes in brings this uh, idea to her and she, you know, runs and remembers that there's a, a, a suicide from a few weeks ago and pulls out the exact newspaper from the archive. And like, that's what's so great about watching like a period uh, newspaper film is like everything's so tangible and, and it's like, oh, we're gonna go dig through the actual archive of something and pull out a paper. And it's much more dramatic than doing a search on a database. <laughs> but um Although I'm sure, you know, someone can make a database search really interesting, Michael Mann. Um, but <laughs> David Fincher. Yeah. Two people who love a database search. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, as she, so she's getting energized by it. And I think this episode's really interesting because we see, you know, she's a really good journalist too. And we see her approach is so different from Jake's because they go to interview another person and and uh, the husband of, of a woman who has killed herself. And and she speaks Korean and she connects with him as as a human being as, oh, I know that town that your wife is from. And Jake is just sort of like bursting into places and demanding answers and kind of bumbling around all over the place and sort of like a golden retriever who just like <laughs> is, uh, you know, can't be contained. And she's like, I literally no. wrote in quotation marks in my notes, sore thumb. Like he's just this gigantic sore thumb that just <laughs> yes. sticking out. He's just such a big, <laughs> lumbering sore thumb in these in this episode, particularly. It's it's and, and it's intended. It's part of. And she, town. you know, she shows him, you know, kind of how to be subtle. And like at one point, like she said, she has some really good lines in this where like. He's like, oh, this guy's wife and that guy's husband or this girl, woman's husband. And, and she goes, they have names, Jake. And it's this like just this really subtle reminder that like these are people and we need to respect them and we need to treat them in their grief like people who are, you know, going through something really challenging and that they're not just like a story and a clue and a source and all of this stuff, which is kind of how Jake is approaching it. Um, and we also see, which I thought was really interesting, we also see how um, 
Emmy is sort of forced to, you know, uh, there's this whole interaction between the press and the police and the glad handing and the bribing and the, oh, I brought you a coffee. Oh, I brought you a fruit. Oh, we're working, we're helping with, you know, we're doing each other favors just in the same way that like the police and the Yakuza do each other favors. And, and now Jake is in this web of favors as well. But, you know, we see her go out to dinner and she's investigating this murder of this young woman um, we see her go out to dinner with these cops who are so creepy and they're hitting on her and they're trying to get her drunk. But we see that this is the way that she has to function. You know, she's sort of grinning and bearing it and being like, well, what did you think about this autopsy? I, you know, <laughs> this guy confessed, but actually it seems like he didn't hit her on the head. He strangled her. Like, what about that? So um, it, it's it's an interesting way to see her as a true journalist as well. She's not just a cog in the Macho machine. She She's trying to get things done as well. So to see her come alive, as you said, is, is really quite a treat. And also it's nice to see, it's a rare thing and people have referenced it more uh, explicitly in reference to Michael Mann as like, oh, he's seeing someone who's not so good at their job yet. You know, someone who hasn't quite a qu- quite acquired all of those professional skills i mean one of the closest is probably collateral you know the the difference between someone who is a stone cold professional in in the you know the worst industry possible which is assassination um and just like a cab driver who gets is a fish out of water and so jake is like obviously going further and further up becoming more attuned to the way things work this is a part of that but it's actually great to see you know rikikuchi's character um be the actual expert and show you how you have to navigate it and then also really outline the frustrations of people not just an outsider not this like stupid white savior complex or anything like that where he's the guy that comes in to solve the whole thing and knows how to do it better than everyone else it's Mm -hmm. like there is a frustration within the within the existing ecosystem that says like i just want this to be done like i just want this to be over um this episode uh, and i'm sorry we I, i i this is my fault i didn't go back so this episode is written by Naomi Zuka and it's directed by Hikari. And if you haven't heard that name or you're not sure who, it's uh, Hikari is the director of a film from uh, 2019 called 37 Seconds, 2011 um, called uh, Suyako. Um, a couple of other things. I'm trying to see if there's anything other than shorts, but there's like lots of shorts direction um, and previously uh, has been an actress. Um, and funny enough, like this, a spring festival dancer in Memoirs of a Geisha, um, who is now taken uh, to to the lens. And uh, this is this is a very interesting couple of episodes because it's the most sensual, I guess. That realizes <laughs> the sensuality of uh, some of the characters uh, in 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 really the whole episode uh, run. Yeah, it's like Hikari directs episodes four and five, and all the sex scenes are in episodes four and five. <laughs> I gotta say, I appreciate her work on the sex scenes. <laughs> I, I think in terms of the direction, I'm a little bit mixed on her, some of her directorial choices. I think there are some scenes in these couple of episodes that I kind of wish were a little bit more dynamically directed, but I think the sex scenes are really good. <laughs> and they're very sexy and erotic, aside from uh, the the, you know, the love hotel <laughs> where, um jake and sato pay a visit we do get to see um ansel elgort in a sex scene and uh, you know kind of wish it was 
<laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't usually, like, usually when we do our shows, like, I do take lots of, like, people would probably not be surprised. I take lots of notes. I write lots of, I have little thoughts and I write them and I usually try and sort of effortlessly now and seamlessly weave them into the show without you guys knowing, like, this is me referring to note one. But one of the things I even said to Katie is I have to read out the note that I wrote during this episode, <laughs> which is just quite simply, Ansel Elgort having sex is gross. Um, and I think, I don't, like, this guy is a big fish out of water and has this kind of chase love interest in a lot of different things that we've seen him in. Very suited to it. Kind of innocent. Good looking. All that sort of stuff. But when it's made manifest in this show, in, in the couple, the next couple of episodes, it's kind of like, oh, I don't, this guy for me, this is the, this is the bridge too far moment of like where I've, where I'm like everything that Ansel's doing multilingual, you know, fish out of water, American, you know, really, really, um, really kind of pushing back on the whole white savior thing. This guy is not a white savior. He's a, he's an, and you know, he's a really frustrated journalist about, you know, imposing what he believes to be journalistic foundations of journalistic integrity on this system that doesn't function in those same ways. But the grossest thing that happens in this whole series is this sex scene for me. It's so gross. It's just his sex scene is so gross. Sato, on the other hand. Um, oh, my God. Sato, on the other hand. Okay. Show Kasumatsu. That? Okay, that's from episode five. We can't. We're not going to talk anymore about but, that. But, but that's, wow. that's a different kettle of fish. It's a good. It's good. It's good. Um, wait. So I also wait. I was trying to think of the idiom for what Axel uh, Axel Ansel is. He's like the frog in the soup. Is that is that an idiom? I don't know if it's an idiom, but you know what? We're idioms, so I think for us it is. But what he's like, whatever. He's the fly in the ointment, or he's like, like he's not. Like we're kind of we keep talking about how he's unskilled, but he, he's so disruptive that he's like. That things he's a squeaky wheel, like he's yeah. getting things done because he's just like flopping around, causing trouble. <laughs> and so, are you talking about people... his sex scene again? <laughs> um, Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I know <laughs> we uh, haven't had enough sleep. <laughs> um, but yeah, but he's like he's not an expert, but he's just so fucking annoying that people are like, oh god, we got to fix this kid. We gotta, we gotta guide him so that he doesn't fuck it up too much um but yeah it's uh i there were some noises that he made in the sex scene that oh i God, didn't Katie. appreciate i didn't appreciate it I, at all <laughs> i don't like i i i'm really uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> okay because we've, talk, we've, we've talked about we've talked about sex this is tokyo nice it's part of miami vice we obviously yes. we have talked deeply <laughs> about the sex that, for example, the great Gong Lee and Colin Farrell's characters have. And hashtag leg maneuver, leg maneuvers, <laughs> right? The actual realistic, uh, you know, the, re the realistic movements that happen in sex as opposed to like Hollywood sex. And just him just talking about it, I'm like, ugh, no. You're like, uh, no, no, stop. No, stop. It's like disturbing. It's not me being a prude. It's just me thinking someone is gross. Um, yeah. But but I, it is really interesting at the end of their encounter, he gives her a rose. It's super sweet. They're all loved up. And then Sato comes out and gives her like a couple hundred bucks. And he's like, wait, what? 
like and she's just like call me anytime and it's it's actually such a great like yeah, it's a great uh, twist yeah it's a great bait and switch the Sasha's like yeah of course she's a prostitute who would have sex with you <laughs> it's a who would go thing. to this creepy ass hotel room with you <laughs> it, it's so good it's um but there's something like here where also on the side of the case so Amy uh, Amy um Rikikuchi's character is like really drilling in you know those things that I, there's a universality in the journalism too about like actionable leads don't miss things be patient and, yes and i think one of the things that this episode made me think of is like it is a series of trying to break cycles that aren't, people can't break out of so with her investigation is trying to break cycles to bring more you know bring more notoriety to violence against women and the editors basically think that she's a curio so they just want to push her to the side and to the fringe and you can keep serving us drinks at our parties and keep these underlings in line but we're not going to give you any kind of serious attention and with this investigation into the insurance it's like no we have to be really th- Know, journalistically thorough and make everything absolutely concrete to go through and it's them trying to break a cycle and her having a vision for what the cycle that needs to be broken and even Sato wanting to break the cycle of going down the path um, through the Shikari Kai and doing all these things and it's like people try to break cycles and they're just not they, they are stuck and I guess that that's what brings us to I guess the other massive emotional crux of the episode which is Samantha Rachel Keller we actually get a glimpse into how this very mysterious, very alluring, very savvy character mm-hmm. got into this situation. And she seems to meet a formidable figure that is much more slippery and much more formidable um, than really any of the other dopes that she goes and convinces to buy her drinks and, and get her tips and make her the most popular, you know, second most popular girl at the, at their at their club, and and so yeah, that this is like where we start to see that and and getting these little inferences into her past, which is like, oh okay, where is this going? What is going to happen here? And and, and before the, we get to the next episode, where we really start to see that fleshed out. Um, this this was a kind of really good really nice taster, a nice appetite for what's coming. Yeah, and can I, I, so I can't remember, what is that client's name? The guy who's chasing her. Um, uh, I cannot remember his name. I've got to find it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking, okay. Well, I just want to say the way that he, so he's a client, she thinks that he's, you know, just some other guy, they're having a nice dinner. And then, you know, he tells her, he's like, I'm tracking you down. I'm taking photographs of you, you know, and these people that you stole money from like want justice or they want you to come back or they want you to pay it back, whatever it is, they want to get her. And he says, you know, to her, he goes, as your people would say, choose the right. And so we do ultimately, and then later at the end of the episode, she's looking at this ring that says CTR and Basically, she's a Mormon. And I just love how this show presents the Mormon church as like another gang or like another organized crime (laughs) religion. Like he's like, as your people would say, choose the right. And you're like, oh my God, these people are terrifying. Sorry, Matsuo. Matsuo is the guy. Matsuo, yes. Okay, thank you. Um, And they've hired this really scary guy to track her down and 
you know, it's like rings and symbols and rhetoric and all this stuff. It's like, these are just another Yakuza. The Mormons are just another Yakuza. <laughs> the way I, they're presented. I was just going to say, it's like, you're so spot on. And it's like, and it's also that they're weird hierarchies as an yeah, outsider. Yeah, it's power and that, systems. Yeah, it's like, you have to do this. You have to fulfill this. We will give you this money. But we you owe us you're in our debt and samantha is literally in her debt because she capitalizes on you know this charity what would you call it like charitable um uh, I, uh she steal like fundraising. we do find out in the next episode she's like stolen a bunch of money from this organization um but also another aspect of them that's similar is like the recruiting so yes. she's gone to japan on this missionary trip and she's trying to tell people about the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and it's like it's as an element of i mean sato's doing the same thing she's they're finding exactly the these little thing. punks i might be bleeding into episode five but it's just like the mormons are yakuza they are <laughs> <laughs> this is one wrinkle i didn't see in the book of mormon play so it's it's um I enjoy that presentation of it that that kind of treatment of them is like a it's like scary organization this intimidating or organization. She's also I mean she's really up Shit's Creek at this point in time mm. because she's uh told some of the girls about her club. She has this whole fantasy about being the madam of this club and um she's trying to get a piece of real estate to rent and um and then someone, I think it's Molly, spills the beans to Duke, who's her like idiot manager. And suddenly, <laughs> um, Jihara Kai are, are like, oh, well, we you need to pay. And it's so funny because they're like, everybody pays. I'm like, this girl doesn't even have a club yet. But uh, there's like a, an interaction where Kume um, tells Sato, like, go go tell her that she needs to pay. Go intimidate her a little bit. And and of course they, he doesn't he's he's got a huge crush on her but she kind of rebuffs him and um it's just you know she and and you know so she's just kind of in a bad way you know she can't even get one foot forward in this plan to start her own club you know before she's got the other girls her manager the you know the the yakuza breathing down her neck so it's it, and then that, and now she has this other guy to deal with so she's really having a bad week Let's take a quick break and let's just dive straight in. This is going to be a double episode. You guys will probably okay. see that on the thing. Let's just take a quick break now and then we'll just dive straight back in because we've gone from I want it that way. We've started bleeding into everybody pays. And I, I feel like about this, about the Hikari episodes because they, they, do, they do feel, and I remember watching them long ago when I watched them together for the first time. They, they felt like they went through seamlessly. It's like, I've got to keep watching to see what happens. So let's take a quick break and then we'll just dive straight into everybody pays. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we just were talking about Matsuo, who's a mysterious businessman who comes in and creates a massive problem for Samantha. Does this brings back a vision of her past and and her her I guess sins that arrived her in this place and she's stripped all those past ephemera away, become this new person, but it's coming back to bite her. These cycles just seem to keep repeating. And the the title of the episode, Everybody Pays, as Katie said just before the break, is like that's that's in essence what this is here. There's always a cost. It doesn't you may not see it apparently straight away, but it's you know, it may not be apparent right away, but there is always a cost. Then at the same time, Jake is enlisted to help find the mole in the Chahari Kai. And that sort of starts to parcel out and he must then, once that happens, figure out what that relationship is with him and Ishida. Once I start to illuminate these things or potentially bring these things to bear, what's the cost of the favours that I then have power to and calling on them. And does that mean I'm in someone else's debt? Um, and then finally there is, you know, we get to see that Sato, who has been a guy who is walking the knife's edge between being all in, in his clan and all in as a Yakuza and someone who is really railing against this kind of, I don't know, like trying to get off of the inevitability of this sort of, this, this, career choice this life choice and in some ways this episode both shows you him railing away from it as far as he can and basically fatalistically kind of determining that this is now his life forever at the same time yeah it's quite a good it's quite a good episode this is one of my favorite episodes the whole it's series. a great episode and i'm just thinking i'm just looking at my notes i'm like the amount of ground this episode covers oh, is yeah. absolutely insane we start in 1994 with Sam in her missionary uh, life and her fla- and a flashback to her missionary life, it ends with a bloodbath. An absolute bloodbath. <laughs> I mean, we finally see, you know, we're seeing main characters getting killed off in this episode. We're seeing sex scenes. We're seeing all kinds. Much, much better sex scene. Much yes. Um, we're seeing all, there, I mean, like, for all the sort of, like, mixed bag I am on some of, like, Hikari's directorial choices to cover this amount of information in a cohesive way in one ep- in like 55 minutes is 
absolutely insane and it and it flows really beautifully and it and it makes sense and it feels right and like this is a, a fantastic episode um but yeah i it, it is all about like what you said you know the favors the actual money and then how do you pay in loyalty and in blood which is the deal that sato finds himself not there's a whole thing here where and and it starts off with Jake and our most devastatingly, um, really like our devastatingly attractive and rapscallion um, police officer uh, Miyamoto. Miyamoto, um, love having, him. Um, <laughs> he's one of your guys for sure. Um, <laughs> ha- having this sort of encounter, doing um, you know, doing martial arts together, shooting the breeze, and them talking about this currency of favors, and that even when you're starting to entertain them and having to do favors for people, there's this fine line that it's like, if you accept it in return, it's over. You've, you've right. embraced the system. The system is the favors. The system is the, 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 you do for me, I do for you, this like perpetual cycle of like, I'm going to do it. And so there's a whole, you know, one of the things that I kept thinking about is like, if you lay down with dogs, you know, that line, yeah. the great line from my own advice is like, if you lay down with dogs, and, you know, Sonny's really, you know, blatant reaction, like, go, go fuck yourself in Miami Vice is like, because in that moment, he's immersing himself, he's getting lost in the character of who he is, he's getting lost in Isabella. And in this episode, it's all about that. It's like, you get to see these different characters. And the weight that all those favors, and the time that they've been doing it has on them. And I, that was my first and one of my fa- very, very, very favorite things with Miyamoto was like him there just doing this martial arts, sort of shooting the breeze. But all the weight of all the years of being a cop in that system and having to play with those favors, it leaves a mark. Yeah. But also, I mean, he I mean, he absolutely wrecks Jake in Aikido, yeah, which is, nice. which which is, is nice. like a, a repayment for that steak dinner <laughs> he walked out on, he stiffed him on. But yeah, watching him wreck Jake in Aikido was, was very entertaining. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the, um, you know, he's he even Miyamoto plants like a seed of doubt in Katagiri in, with Jake. I mean, he's like, what why is he doing this and then jake goes to katagiri and he's literally like why are you doing this and katagiri's got a great explanation which is you know don't we have an interest as the law enforcement of the city to keep a gang war under wraps like if i can help figure out this mole situation with ishida and like settle it you know between you know under wraps between these two gangs instead of letting it spiral out of control like that serves me as the chief of police in this city um so that's basically the 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 go between between jake and ishida ishida who you know has contacted jake through sato who's like here's my friend you know another favor he's like oh by the way i know this journalist and he can totally talk to the police for you and like you'll find out what's going on why the police won't drink your tea and they discover that they have a mole in Ishida and it's going back to Tozawa. He's got a double agent, basically. Um, and then, you know, uh, Ishida gives him the little tip about the matchbox and says, don't look for who gave these people the money, the the loans that um, caused these people to, 
to commit suicide. He's like, look for people, look for the people who rejected them. The other thing is that they do figure out, I think, is it in, is it in the previous episode? They, they figure out the insurance thing that. Yes, that was the previous episode. The banks are the beneficiaries of the life insurance policies. So when these people die, these loan, these loan sharks get the, the life insurance policy payout. So as Jake says, he's like, oh, they've monetized suicide. And so, um, so now they're looking for who is running these banks and they're trying to go up the ladder. But the problem is that in the system, like as we've seen with the Tozawa guys, there's a million guys who will just be like, oh, it's me, I'll do it. And they take the blame. And then, and that's kind of what's happening. Like you're never going to get the biggest fish because there's always going to be a million fall guys in between. So like Jake is really trying to like scramble up this pile of bodies basically to find the bigger fish. But you know, it, nobody really wants to go all the way to the top. No. And it's really funny because we're looking, you're looking at it as an outsider and especially because it's period pacing, you're like, you know, you do those things sometimes where you're like, isn't it weird how those systems work? But it's like not so far long ago in, in both, I, I guess, British society. And then in turn, like the early American society where the state, didn't really get involved in matters of family. So like, for example, if two brothers fought each other and one of them died and the family was like, it's a family matter, the state would just be like, okay, mm. you know, like it, like, like, and I'm talking about like sort of the formulation of the union times in the mm -hmm. United States, like the state wouldn't interject. It would just be like, and even if there was a duel between two families, they had a dispute if someone died and both families were like, we're not pressing charges, we're not involving the state, they'd like, okay, there was a dispute and it resulted in death and we're not getting involved. And I feel like that's Katagiri's modus operandi is like, I don't mind if these guys kill each other. Right. But I just can't have them killing, I can't have them killing our citizens because they, they get, Yakuza going to Yakuza. Like they're going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> right. And, and anything that I can do to keep it confined into their world, their underbelly and it not break into the streets, that's in my best interests. I've got to do And the, the Yakuza are self-governing bodies. It's not like he could govern them anyway because they yeah. have a whole system of discipline and loyalty and punishment for whatever it is, which is something that we do see in this episode, specifically when Kume takes Sato upstairs and he's going to tell he's he basically doesn't think that Sato has like straightened out um, Samantha. So he is like he takes him to the roof and he's like, cut your finger off. Yeah. And they've got a whole ritualistic table to do this. This is and this has happened before. Um, and by this point in the episode, I may be jumping ahead a little bit, but we have discovered now that Kume is the Tozawa mole. Yes. And Ishida intervenes on this finger chopping ceremony. And he's just like, you're a mole. You have to kill yourself. But he like Kume won't do it. He's like, oh, he, he's like, jump off the roof. And, and he's like, no, you do it. And but he's making this argument. He's saying. So Zawa is like a businessman. He's a leader. He's doing this. He's doing that. And this is kind of where we see this like righteous path thing of of the Chihadakai, which is like. We find out that. Tozawa is basically importing meth um, and 
Ishida is like, so I should poison people. Like I should be selling poison. Like just because these guys are Kume is this sort of like ruthlessly psychopathic, just like striver who wants to be with whoever is the big, you know, whoever's money the biggest making. dog. He wants to, he wants to be attached to it. And we've right. already seen and Sato observe his embrace and his, his, his ascension to the higher ranks of the Chiari Kai. And we're like, oh, okay, good. He's very, you know, he's very motivated and he wants to get there. And it moved Sato emotionally. So they've got this emotional ca- connection together. And the the Samantha thing is his second indiscretion because he beats the crap out of one of his fellows. And then he gets a dressing down for beating up one of his peers. And then right. the Samantha thing the second time is the second indiscretion. And so him mm-hmm. being on that roof is like, all right, I'm ready to chop off my finger. And yeah. instead, Ashita says, no, kill him. Right. So then he, Ishida says to Sato, like, oh, you kill your your older brother, basically, your mentor. Yes. yes. And he can't do it. And God, it's really heartbreaking when Kume says, it's okay, little brother. I know you can't do this. And he jumps off the roof. Um, or he says something like that. But yes. okay. Um, and then Ishida is like just saying to Sato, like, what the fuck? You have to be able to kill people if you're a Yakuza. <laughs> And he says, the choice is yours. And like, that's a thing that keeps coming back. Like at 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 one point in this episode, Sato is recruiting a new guy and he says, the choice is yours. And he knows that the guy will come and make the choice to join. Cause he's also like, do you want to be a loser your whole life? But in this episode, it's not set. It's only said maybe once, once, but Mm. it was a, a phrase that kept popping into my head the entire time I was watching this episode. The choice is yours. And it's always with Sato. Like, at the end, when we see this incredibly bloody confrontation with Ishida um, and these assassins, I'm like, I I was thinking again, like, the choice is yours. Are you going to jump into this and be involved in this? You know, so. Before we get to the bloodbath, which I want to talk about in a whole bunch of ways. Yes. I think. Anyone who was viewing the Jake and Samantha relationship as potentially romantic, which a couple of times they've been sharing, they're both expats, they're finding these commonalities, maybe they've got something to run from, they've got a lot of things in common. I think he thinks it might be romantic. He thinks, yeah. And if, if, you, if you've been so aligned with Jake that that's the way you're going to view it, that's sure. But this is, there has been a lot of very palpable and thoroughly enjoyable sexual tension between. Um, between Sam and Sato and in this episode when burdened with everything that's going on with Matsuo and trying to figure out how to solve this problem and basically realizing that the vice is closing in on her she doesn't have an option to get out of this thing it's really nice to see them actually collide and the, the tension that's been building for now five hours of show to be right. realized it's a very, very great encounter. I have to say that there's nothing like, I mean, I, I think this show actually does have, I mean, this was a great sex scene, but it's because it builds on five hours of tension. Yes. And so I think there's been a lot of discussion, especially online and, and in various articles about like the death of the sex scene. And I'm just sort of like, yes, we're getting some <laughs> good sex scenes. But um but I think that they're good because they are built upon character and relationship and we like want to see these people come together. It's not just about 
how it's shot or bodies or whatever you want to say. It's like, it's that tension. And she and Sato have sort of been like at each other. She's blown him off in the last episode. She also kind of blows him off in this episode. At one point she like goes and hangs out with Jake. Um, and Jake is just like whining about his job and she's just like, Oh my God, shut up. Shut up. Um, and and they and Sato then confronts her because he's felt rejected and he's like everybody pays, and they start making out in the in the locker room and then end up back at her place and and have like a it's a all this built up tension but then the sex scene itself is actually quite like intimate and tender and they have this great like pillow talk afterwards where they're like sharing about each other and um, each other's lives and actually coming together it's like it's it's. The kind of you know we i talk a lot about how like these like grown-up sex scenes are like in michael mann films are are very refreshing to see and like this is another one uh, of that, that that fits into that genre where it's like this is sexy and relatable and it's intimate and it's built on character and also the great thing about it is that both of these characters throughout all the five throughout all the five episodes have these moments of like bluster and confrontation and bra and they get in each other's face and have the aggro and then when they finally come together not only do they strip away their clothes they strip away all that bullshit yeah and it's a, an incredibly intimate scene and they're very tender with one another and it's like it's actually nice oh these are who maybe these people are like finally yeah. samantha's taking away all the like i'm too cool for school and sato's taking away all that like hard edge I'm the tough Yakuza guy and which blends perfectly into an absolutely outstanding. And I think equally um, intimate and messy, yes. uh, violent confrontation because the end of the, the end of the show uh, really finalizes with Ishida's beautiful home being infiltrated by a group of gangsters and all of the Shahari Kai soldiers who are on duty as security that night are, ta are taken out, are murdered. Um, and he's almost, um, sort of almost fatally injured. And Sato discovers this sort of, I don't know, this, this infiltration right, right in the, in the clutches of like Ishida defending his life. And mm -hmm. it is, it comes in, the camera is frantic because Sato is frantic. The movements and the fights are frantic and messy and not, and, and confined because this little, this, this beautiful unit is not, it's not like this big open space where you can swing around a sword and, 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 and take people out. It's like messy and stairs and wood and different yeah. levels. And it's such a, I, I really was like, I really loved the, action direction here because it's not it's it's a kind of frantic and panicked discovery and everything feels like it's that you're embodying sato's panic and like what the hell do i do yeah and and it's an interesting like i like that you mentioned that it comes right after the sex scene because like you know he and and um sam are, are face to face in this sort of like intimate physical connection and then suddenly he's face to face with a masked you know, swordsmen in an intimate physical connection and they're struggling. And like, you don't know, there's this one scene where it, they're on the stairs and you don't know who has the knife and who's going to get stabbed, penetrated, if you will. And, um, <laughs> uh, 
at one point you see just like this blood spray on his shirt and I'm and you're like wait did he get stabbed or did the other person get stabbed and it's this sort of like slow coming together and then um you realize that it's the other guy's blood spraying on him but it's like this moment of confusion like that reflects probably his own confusion in that moment I, I really liked that as well and then you know he's about to get, you know, he he's taken out some guys. He's defending Ichida, who seems to be down for the count, and he has a great uh, moment where you know Sato's just getting strangled, and suddenly like there's a sword through the chest, and it's the old Yakuza himself is back on his feet the at old, least for old, a moment. The old dog survives for how long? Yes. I'm not sure. Um, hearing you talk about embraces with surprise bodily functions <laughs> and then and i then mean who's who was that was that me <laughs> was that me <laughs> was way hornier than i was expecting oh my god i did that was not intended <laughs> you, you have a gift this is you have, a, you have an amazing gift and I think that that's the perfect way to wrap up. So this has been a double episode of Tokyo Nice. I want it that way and everybody pays. And this is because we, I guess, um, the, the Kahari episodes uh, as as the director um, is something that we wanted to focus on. Um, the first episode, uh, I want it that way, was written by Naomi Izuka and Adam Stein um, comes in to write Everybody Pays. Um, there are three more episodes to go. We'll probably do a couple more um, in here. I know there's a couple of guests that um, have been talking about maybe popping on and saying hello. So we'll, we're going to try and get those folks involved if we can. Um, and uh, But uh, otherwise, we're going to catch you on more episodes of Miami Nice. And uh, probably uh, around the time you're hearing this, we're going to probably have a lot of these episodes drop pretty quickly so you can do a bit of catch up on those first five episodes. But then we've got to throw on Miami Nice in there because we do have um, uh, uh, one of our one of our leads, speaking of leads in Miami, uh, Miami Vice and Tokyo um, Vice as well, one of our leads has deep dived on all the potential endings that were. So Katie and I need to really get back to Miami uh, to get into yes. that uh, before we finalize. <laughs> and, then we'll, and then we'll take out the show and we'll kind of give you a bit of a summation um, on what we think of the whole show. But so far, um, really, I think for me, um, the first five episodes um, of the series overall um, really some of the strongest um, um, tally and and you know all shows it's it really comes down to how does it re resolve everything that we're seeing but you know from Michael Mann to 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 this crescendo um, mm -hmm. of this violence I was just like uh, this this was a really satisfying so far series for me in, in, yeah in, in these five episodes yeah there's a lot going on and and it's it's really been a fun watch so I've enjoyed unpacking them with you I've enjoyed being in Embrace and bodily fluids <laughs> happening and ni neither of us knowing which one it was. <laughs>
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.